What is up and welcome back to another episode of the Wizards podcast. I've been doing this on my own for the last 10 episodes, so I'm very happy that I get a co-host today. None other than Matt Moderno of the Believe in Wizards podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today, Matt. Yeah, of course, Greg. Love the work you do. Love the pod. I candidly have not listened to the one from last night. So as soon mm-hmm. as we're, we're or the other night, uh, so as soon as this is done, I'm, I'm going to be checking that out. But you've been killing it, man. And uh, I, I hope everybody recognizes that uh, you are an active college student and you are crushing the Wizards beat. So um, that's that's pretty awesome to see. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be obviously the, the news dropped a couple of days ago. Wes Unsell Jr. being removed and put into a front office role. Matt dropped the podcast, the Believe in Wizards podcast. So go check that out. Um, and I also dropped one as well. But this is going to be a more so moving on into the future. The trade deadline is in, I think, two weeks from now, maybe less than two weeks on February 8th. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of getting to that point where you have to start assessing all of the roster, obviously, Balakulabali might be the only unprotect, uh, protected player, but you got to start assessing where they're at right now. And they already started doing that by firing West. But forty-four games into the season, at the time we're recording this, they're seven and thirty-seven. We expected them to be pretty bad, but yeah. I don't think we expected them to be this bad. I mean, I thought they'd crush the over under twenty-four and a half. They might not even win fourteen games to this point in the season. Give me some of your high points, some things you've really liked and are, are really good for the future and some things that you've kind of seen digress and you're not really happy with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly, high points been Denny's development. High points been Gafford's development. I think he's been mostly better. I know people are still seemingly pretty mixed on on Gafford. Uh, I think the addition of Bagley has been a high point. And that's like kind of it. Uh, you know, I, I don't have like a whole lot of other like really great stuff. I, I think cool Bali's uh, initial like, you know, him him coming out of the gates was pretty strong and, and that was cool to see. But that also maybe leads to probably everybody's biggest disappointment. And that's just how he's been used. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with why Wes Unsell Jr. isn't the coach anymore. I would be my guess uh, that, that that had to play in their decision making and their timing. So I think he could be a long-term bright spot for for the rest of the season here. If now we're going to see him, you know, unleashed to some extent. Not saying he needs to uh, do like in one street ball moves, you know, on on the wing here and ISO every play. But I think we could definitely integrate him a little bit better. So hopefully, Philip, that that is a bright spot by the end of the season when we do the wrap up here. But I think those are my big ones, Greg. I don't know. There were specific games here or there where it was kind of gutting and. Uh, they blew a couple big leads and stuff like that. That's that's been tough to swallow, but I think from a macro sense, that's kind of kind of where I'd go. Yeah, I mean the Bilal point is obviously kind of polarizing. I've I've enjoyed a lot of what I've seen, but I feel like it could have been a lot better in terms of not not really what he could do, but what others could do around him in terms of putting him in the right spots. I feel like he hasn't been used the way I'd like him to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but I obviously, I, I'm very impressed when you go through a rookie season of Johnny Davis and then you go over to a new guy, it's not that difficult to, to kind of impress me. Um, but I mean, in terms of me, Bilal's looked awesome. Um, taking aside the, the fact that he's not being used the right way, just the intangibles, the athleticism, the defense, everything he's been able to do and in, in, in his control, I really liked I think Tyus Jones has really impressed me. He's exceeded yeah, my expectations. I think it was a 2021 offseason when he was a free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. My top three for that guard position were Oladipo, DeLon Wright, and Tyus Jones, Tyus being one. He ended up re-signing in Memphis. We finally got him to D.C. I mean, he just last night he had 14 assists and no turnovers, and nobody even blinked an eye. It's like that's just common at this point. Uh, he he's built his trade value. And we'll talk about this later in the episode to, you know, what I believe should be a first round pick, but he's been awesome. Landry Shamit has been a surprise. All the Suns fans we acquired him told me that he was not good uh, and that he was just a washed up bench player, but the ability he's shown to bring energy off the bench and knock down that three play decent perimeter defense. I've been very impressed with that. And then the Bagley trade. Uh, I mean, we, people forget we got paid to take on this guy. We yeah, had Danilo yeah. Gallinari and Mike Muscala who were on their way out, and we got paid multiple second-round picks to take this guy on. He's been unbelievable. I think he's averaging like 18-10 and 10 in five games since joining the Wizards. He's been awesome. Um, and, the, I mean, the fact that we're the second-worst team, I guess, is kind of a high-end low point. 
you don't you don't want to be in that eight to nine range like we are every right. year. You want it to bottom out. And the fact that we have we have bottomed out and we are really doing this, it's I mean it's nice. Obviously, you don't like watching the losses, but we could be the Raptors or the Hawks that are going nowhere and we're at the bottom. So but we're finally not in that sort of lower middle tier, which is which is nice. You you, you don't want to be that group for long if it happens one year because of injuries or you know where you are in the stage of your rebuild, so be it. But when you try and end up in that range, that that's that's what's really tough. So yeah, at least they're bottoming out. I, I think just the whole approach has been good to see. I think you're totally right on Tyus. He's been better than I expected. I still don't think he's like a long-term starting point guard in the NBA personally, but could he be situationally or for the right team? Sure. And I, and I hope somebody feels that way as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's really going to be an interesting one to see. You mentioned Johnny Davis, that that's got to be another big disappointment here too. Uh, you know, I guess if you don't have like huge expectations for someone and they don't meet them, is that really that disappointing? But I, I'll be honest, like I, I've been pretty vocal about this will be a solid rotation player. And, uh, you know, that it seems like that ship may have sailed at this point, which is which is pretty discouraging for him, us, the organization, everybody. He just looks kind of sad on the bench now. And, and you just kind of hate to see that. Do you do you think that? After the deadline, we'll kind of start to see a little bit more of them after some of these guys get moved, or are you kind of done? Uh, I mean, I would like to see that and see if he can do anything, but uh, I don't know how many Wizards games he's played in so far this year, but he's only played in three games for the go-go. I saw they did just assign him, so maybe they're going to try to ramp that up more. It, by all accounts, it's been more injury-related this year than anything, but they're always kind of weird injuries, like a forearm sprain and or a wrist sprain or an elbow sprain or whatever they are. It, it just seems kind of, I don't know, something smells a little fishy with that. I don't know if they were trying to give them a break to mentally reset while they retooled the jumper, but we've seen like five different jump shot forms at this point. So maybe more. So I just, I don't know what they're doing there. I think it would be helpful just to know like one, what they think is really going on and two, what the plan is to address it. Like, if I were him, I'd be doing some player media interview and just being like, hey, man, I've been hurt or like something. The fact that we've heard nothing uh, from from him or the Wizards about his status at all is just bizarre. And it doesn't surprise me, given that they're kind of like, uh, I don't know, focused on controlling their own narrative. So it must not be a good sign uh, that we're not hearing anything. But I hope for his sake that it's not like something serious. It's just, you know, little ticky tack injuries and, and maybe he can make a second you know second half revival or something like that yeah it's definitely weird i mean like sometimes you see first round picks get sent to the g league and you don't really hear about them that entire year the spurs are notorious for that they'll draft guys and you won't hear about them until year three when they become really good players mm -hmm. we've heard absolutely nothing from johnny davis and he he seems like a pretty quiet and shy person in general yeah. so i like the, the personality, it's not like it's jumping off the table or he's doing anything extra. And I guess that's kind of a good thing. You know, if, if he's not getting playing time, you don't want him going to the media and, you know, making a scene about it. But it is it is kind of sad when you see a guy like that just kind of be there, like as if there's not really any life to, to Johnny Davis right now from what I've mm -hmm. seen on the bench. Yeah. And I hope post deadline, the, the minutes open because we do have a, a log jam at guard, but that is definitely a low point of this season. Another one I had was Poole. Um, the it's weird. There's like there's there's people on Twitter that love players like Kuzma and Denny and Jordan Poole, and that's great. But there's also those people that if you say one bad thing about them, they fully <laughs> attack you. I know you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Sounds familiar. There's been there's been a couple of Jordan Poole fans that have been in my comments for the last like three weeks. If I even utter his name and right next to it isn't the words amazing or terrific. Yeah, they fully crash. come at me. Um, if you like a guy and you're a, a, like a person that roots for specific players, they're not always going to do good. Like, obviously, I'm going to post about Poole when he does great, but you also <laughs> are going to have to post about him when he does bad. He's been really bad this season. Yep. Uh, not efficient. Seems like he doesn't read the defense that well. He's always dribbling too much. You can't sit here and tell me. I can't sit here and tell you that he's been good when he hasn't. I don't know what your thoughts are on pool or, or if you really believe he can turn this around, but it's not been good. I mean, this is just my personal approach on things. And if you're getting criticized, that's crazy. Cause I, I think you 
do a good job as, of focusing on the positives as much as you can, but you also have, you know, some responsibility to say, all right, this, this is not looking good right now. And it's funny to me when the player gets up and says the exact same thing, like there's a contingent of Denny stands that hate me because I said he needs to work on his left hand and he has to work on his perimeter shot. And if he can do that, he can really capitalize on the other things he brings to the table. If he can't, he probably won't. And at best he's an eighth or ninth man. Uh, you know, Denny comes out at the end of last year and basically says, going into this offseason, I really have to develop my ball handling, especially going left, and I have to refine my perimeter shot, and he brings in a specialist. And, okay, it's like, yeah, Denny's so brave for going out and just, like, really admitting that he has things to work on. Uh, the same kind of thing applies to Poole, I, I think. When you're the highest-paid player on the team, like, it's, it's not – I don't know, in my opinion, a thing that needs to be tweeted out if you don't play like shit. Like, well, you didn't celebrate him because he had a decent game. Oh, okay, that that's what they pay him to do. You make $30 million because the expectation is you'll be one of the better players on the team. If you play serviceably, we don't need to hang a banner or throw a parade for that. It's It's a great sign. I like to see it. I'd much prefer that be the case every day. I want everyone on the Wizards to be so effing good that all of my tweets are like, oh my God, bow down before this person. Uh, but it's not realistic. And so if pool's been bad, you have to say it's bad. If you want to focus on here's how it could get better and what we think are positive signs or improvements, like that's great. And I think that's what we try to do for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I was going to touch on what you said, but I agree with everything you said. Um, he has, he's not been good when Jordan Poole scores like 20 to 22 points. That's no, that's not groundbreaking. That's not earth shattering. And the fact that some people think it is this season, that kind of shows how down, how up and down it's been. That's, I mean, like you're getting paid $30 million per year to be a star on this team. That should be the expectation. We shouldn't be throwing a, a parade for you scoring 25 points and doing it efficiently. Uh, yeah. That's just kind of the point here. Yeah. Um, but those are those are some of the high points and some of the low points of the season. Obviously, it's seven and thirty-seven. There's a lot more lows than high points, um, and that's why the Wizards are going to be so active in the trade market. They've been talked about as being facilitators of trades. They've been talked about with some of their stars being in and out of trade rumors, some of their veterans being in trade rumors. There's five guys that stand out, and I asked Matt um, in the preseason pod that we did over under four and a half players that will be traded this season. Matt was a little hesitant to go with the over, um, which I, I understood at the time. I was at five, which is why I had it at four and a half. I think you had it around three or four, definitely under the four and a half. Mm -hmm. As of now, two people have been traded and Mike Muscala, Danilo Gallinari. These are the five people that that I think could be traded. Uh, and I want you to rank them in terms of number one being uh, he's definitely gone. Mm -hmm. And number five, you're really hesitant on whether or not he'll go or not. Okay. It's Kyle Kuzma, Tyus Jones, Landry Shamit, Daniel Gafford, and Delon Wright. Uh, okay, so similarly, I chatted with uh, with Ryan Oliver and Chase Carroll the other night and asked them a very similar question of how many of those five guys actually get moved and put the under over at two and a half. I really think it's either two or three. Uh, it would surprise me if it's more than that. It would surprise me if it's less than that at this point. To me, it just you have to trade Tyus Jones. That's that's the most likely candidate, just given the contract situation. But you know, there's some wrinkles to that, right? Like he, if he's not going to want to be a starter somewhere, someone's basically trading for a rental. So are you getting full value for him? Teams think you have to trade him, given that, so you don't have a ton of leverage. So it's just um, it, it's I think they're actually in a tougher spot with him to get like real value than than maybe people think. And I'm kind of of the opinion that the the going rate is probably closer to what Monte Morris got uh, or, or maybe somewhere in the ballpark of what Rui got last year than than like a definitive first round pick. I, I hope they do. I, I don't I just I don't see who gives them that for for this guy, because it's really not a seamless fit. He, he's kind of been more. uh you know, scoring focused this year than just pure distributor. So you've now got a smaller guard like the Knicks. They can't play him a ton next to Brunton. He's probably not in your closing lineups. Are you giving up a first round pick to do that? Like just looking at the teams that need another like guard ball handler somewhere like Milwaukee, you know, like I, 
I, I don't, what are they giving us back? So I, I think his market's going to be really interesting. They, they need to trade him, but maybe they just say like, we can't get fair value and we think we can resign him on a reasonable deal and we need a competent ish starting point guard. So, so maybe that's the only way I think I'd zig like zigzag on, on kind of thinking there. I don't think Kuzma gets traded. I think that's pretty unlikely because it seems like they're not willing to give him up unless they get what they think is fair value. Once again, I don't know who gives them that. So there you go. Uh, Bagley or sorry, Bag- uh, Gafford um, is going to be maybe slightly more expensive, expendable because of, or Bagley's play. So I wouldn't be in a rush to trade them, either of them at this point, honestly. Um, you know, like Bagley in the offseason, I'd rather keep him in your longer term. If he keeps looking like this, Gafford, I wouldn't trade because you're just basically putting Bagley in the same spot Gafford's been in all year or just like the lone big. And I don't think that's fair. I think they could be pretty competent with those two as a situational platoon. DeLon Wright kind of has to go at this point. He looks weird and bad when he plays. And I've loved DeLon Wright for like a long time. I have like a 2000 word pre-draft write-up I did on DeLon Wright and how much I liked him coming out. So uh, I hate to say that, but he looks kind of like he would rather be elsewhere. So that's it's not an ideal sign. Uh, and then I feel like I'm, oh, sham it. Um, yeah, I mean, do the guy solid. He seems like a good dude and a real pro. If you get a couple seconds there, like, Sounds good. Maybe he'd be great back in Phoenix, for example. Mm-hmm. About about Tyce Jones, I've been I've been trying my hardest to hold on to the hope that we'll get a first round pick. And I think mm-hmm. he's played well enough to get a first round pick. But like sure. you said, these teams that are gonna want him, these contenders, not only have they a lot of them already exhausted the picks this season right. in terms of going in, but I just I I think they don't they feel like they don't have to do that. I mean mm-hmm. like we they know we we really won't bring Tyus Jones back next year. Yeah. Um, and we're, we we really need to trade him and try to get as much value now. And they know that they don't have to necessarily give up a first-round pick. And like you said, his, his deal being expiring, you're basically – do you want to give up a first-round pick for a rental for like 30 to 40 games? Right. I, I don't know. I feel like that tanks his value a little bit. It makes it better for us to trade him because he won't be back anyway. So obviously you want to get what you can, but that also hinders you because these teams know that – you kind of got to move them now or never, and I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. If we get a couple second round picks, that's fine. Obviously, I don't, I don't view Tyus as the long term answer here. Um, I prefer yeah, my backcourt to not have an average height of six foot. That's yeah. just me. Not ideal. Um, yeah. But and and especially in a draft, I'm, you know a lot more about the draft than me. But I feel like this is a decent draft for guards, especially point guards in the top five or six. Rob Dillingham, Ron Holland, a bunch of guys like that. I feel like a point guard is in the cards, possibly, and I, I don't want him to come in and be a backup. I want him to play. So I, I do think Tyus Jones is probably the most likely to get moved. I feel like the Sixers make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Being from, from Philly, I know all of my friends that are Sixers fans have been complaining all year because they don't have a backup to Maxi. Makes that sense. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Orlando, they have a lot of guards, but I've had a lot of Magic fans actually come to me and tell me that they want Tyus Jones. So, look, if you have second-round picks, even a first-round pick, that's fine by me. You talked about Kuz. I, I think the Kings are a surprise team here. Number one, I don't think he's going to get moved. I don't think it makes sense for either side. I don't think he re-signs here. He met with the Kings in free agency and the Pacers in free agency. He could have gone to these places, but he came back to D.C. I don't really think he would do that unless we gave him a firm commitment. And I don't think we'd give him a firm commitment and then move him. I feel like when you're trying to build a culture, that that's not how you do it. Uh, but the Kings, they didn't get Siakam. I don't think they're going to get Murray. That doesn't make sense. I don't see many other players on this market. If you're the Kings, you can't go run it back with this same group that you just lost in the first round last year. I don't think they have enough. So maybe they get desperate enough. They basically had a trade for Kuzma in 2020-2021. Um, and that got be, that got taken off when we traded for when we traded Russ to the to the Lakers for Kuzma, so I think the the Kings are definitely a sneaky place for Kuz, but I I also don't think he gets moved. I'm with you. I know you have your bet with Riley about Kuz not getting moved. I'm with you on that one. Um, but somebody's got my back here, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, are you is which uh, which charity are you donating the the money to? Uh, we're gonna do the um. Allied Animals Rescue Foundation. They're based out of Baltimore and they um 
they foster and then, uh, you know, um, basically rehab sick or injured animals in the greater mm -hmm. Baltimore, uh, DC metro area. So yeah. um, that's where I mean, one of our cats came from. So there you go. Put me down. I'll, I'll throw 50 as well. If Pooz doesn't get moved, I'll also donate 50. I'm there you go. You. Let's go, Greg. Um, yeah, it's a great cause, obviously. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Daniel Gafford, I, I would honestly put him at two right behind Tyus. I, I you know me, I love Gaff. Sure. I was on the Gaff train when he was in Chicago before he traded for him. Yep. I, I so love playing him or, or watching him play, but it seems like it's kind of, I don't really know where this goes from here because I don't think the team views him as a long-term answer at center. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in the first year of a three-year deal. It's a pretty team-friendly contract, a good contract to move. A team like the Houston Rockets makes so much sense. They don't have a backup to Shangoon. I mean, Jacques Londale is not the answer. He's on a decent yeah. deal. I think he's making $8 million. So yeah. you can kind of match those salaries. They have so many picks that they can mm -hmm. attach. I honestly think he might have a little more value than Tyus just because of his contract, because of what he could provide defensively to a lot I, of these I teams. I totally agree with you, by the way. Yeah, I think uh, So I think he gets moved. I don't, I don't want him to get moved. He's in the same boat. As Kuz, I don't think it makes too much sense. I think you can offload him at a later date. I like what we have with him and Bagley. Mm. And like you said, if you move Gafford, you're just making Bagley what Gafford was with Muscala and Gallinari. Yeah. Who are you going to have? John Butler Jr., who I think could be great, but he's not great now. Are you going to have him and Baldwin Jr. backing him up? I, I don't think that's viable. Uh, yeah, and, and Butler Jr. is gone too. So, I mean, that's that they don't even really have that next person. I, I mean, that's that's what's really scary is is who is even really like an option to play as a big. I mean, you could go back and get one of those guys and, and bring them out of the G League to do it, but um, they brought in a guy, Jake Stevens, that played at that Chattanooga that's a talented guy. He might be the best shooting big, like, I've seen in a long time, but he's he's big and slow and he's he's not really playing a ton for the go-go right now. So like that's not really a guy you can bring up. I mean that's that was what a hope. Oh, what about Trey Jemison from UAB? Yeah, so that's that's the one, right? He's on a 10 day and we've got to be near the end of those 10 days. And he hasn't even I don't think he sniffed the court at all yet. I think I he mean, played he played like 30 seconds. Okay. I think he played 30 seconds last night when the game was over. So not, yeah. not much. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I, I don't really know why you bring in guys like that. If you don't even give them a tiny look, like I understand in practice, or or maybe there's just a specific body that you, you know, you want to see how they'll match up with these other guys. Like, I, I don't know, or you just need like someone to run around and practice. Like, I, I honestly can't figure out what the plan for some of this stuff is here, but, but finding another young big, if you move out Gafford would be, you know, the imperative, maybe they think if they did a trade like the Houston trade and they took a Jock Landell back, he could be just serviceable enough as Bagley's backup. I, I don't know, but I, I just don't want to see them go through the rest of the year with just Bagley and PBJ like that. That seems terrible to me personally. Yeah, I've watched I've watched enough uh, of this team giving up offensive rebounds, right. not being able to, to defend bigs this season. I'm kind of through with it. So yep. I don't really want to go take a step back. That's even possible. By trading one of them, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it is definitely they have a lot on their plate. And there's been reports that Balal is the only untouchable player in mm -hmm. 2025. It's possible that Balal is the only player from this roster, which is crazy to hear. Um, and there's been even reports that Danny and Corey might get traded. I I think there's no merit to those rumors. I, why on earth would they re-sign Denny to move him? I, I know a team like Dallas would give you top dollar for Denny. They need a defensive wing. But those picks you're getting back from Dallas, those are going to be in like the the late teens and early 20s. Are you really going to get ample return? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, this is really the question. There was some reporting today. I think maybe it was from Brian Windhorse about like they have a team mandate to get assets back. And if these are the only guys that are going to generate assets... Um, you know, maybe have to do it. I, I don't think that's very likely either, but I'm, Greg, I love you. I would trade you if it got us a first round pick back and, and you're my guy. So it's, I think that's the approach they need to have though. Like we can't be married to any of these people if we get some kind of haul that we just can't say no to. And, and that's, 
I think sounds like from the reporting that that's kind of how they're they're approaching this. And, and that's honestly refreshing to see. It's like, well, we couldn't trade this guy because he's a real nice guy. Like, OK, like that's how we would have worked in the past. And now they get it. So, so based on that, let me ask you a question. If you if a team came to you and said, Matt, I'll give you a first round pick unprotected for Corey Kispert. And, and this isn't a team like the Bucs or the, the Celtics. This is a team like, let's say, the Pacers that sure. that are like in that 18 to 22 range. Are you taking that deal? Uh, I am going online, immediately getting him an Uber gift card and saying, use this to get yourself to the airport. We'll miss you. Best of luck in, in Indy. I just think someone like Corey is is great and he's not none you need to rush to trade because he could fit in any timeline. Realistically, he's young enough to do that, I guess, but. I just feel like you can find that archetype player in any of these drafts and maybe do so more cheaply than like they're, they pay him a decent amount of money as a 15th pick. Could you get similar level of production from, from somebody taken lower in the draft more cheaply and net something for him in the process? Like, I think you have to consider it at the very least. I'm not saying I rush, well, I would rush to do it. I like Corey, but yeah, you give me the 18th pick and, I'll miss you, but I'll buy you, you know, some products from your hair care line a couple of years from now. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair way of, of looking at it. I look at it a, a little bit different mm-hmm. in terms of when I trade a guy like Corey, am I am I getting what he gives me from that 18th pick? Is that viable? Obviously, Corey was pick 15th, but do I see a guy in this draft that I, I view in that 18 to 22 range where the Pacers will probably end up? that I can not only replace him, but do it more cheaply. Because obviously Corey's up for an extension. He'll be a free agent, I think, in a year or two. You, you're you going to have to pay him a lot of a decent money, amount of money, at least 15 plus a year as a guy that can shoot the ball and now put it on the deck. Sure. Can I replace that cheaply? That's why you would do the trade. In terms of that, I, I might be a little scarred from Tommy Shepard, and I might have to trust this front office a little bit to do that. If you gave me a first round pick for Corey Kispert, yes, I definitely have to consider it. But that's just that's my philosophy. If I see a bunch of guys in this draft that I feel like we can replace him, you know, shooters, similar archetypes, that's kind of the way I view it. So I I think that's a fair way to look at it. And my only rebuttal to that would be if you trade Corey for the 18th pick, you're not then looking at that 18th pick as a way to draft a replacement for Corey. It would be. Could I use my 35th pick to get 80% of what Corey is potentially? And can I turn that 18th pick into another swing at the bat to get a star who's the future face of my organization? Like that, that's really, they've got to start hitting like actual triples, if not home runs on some of these. And you hear that stupid analogy so much, it makes me want to throw up that I just used it, but they hit a lot of singles and they shouldn't be focused on how do we keep the single slash double to get another single slash double? It's like, let's take huge cuts. And if we strike out on some of them, so be it. But we're going to hit one of them eventually. And and that's really what they need. They need to have guys to put Bilal with that you can say, these are the dudes that are now untradeable. And, and they just, they don't have enough ways to do that. So if Corey gets you a, a chance at it, I think you have to consider it. That's all. Well said. Uh, I mean, I think... To your point, if you look at a team like the Sixers, they struck out so many times. Nerlens Noel, sixth overall. Okafor, third overall. They took Markel Fultz. Not only did they take Fultz one, but they traded up and essentially traded Jason Tatum to move up and take the worst player. But they got Joel Embiid, so none of that matters. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, they got Ben Simmons. They got... I mean, they didn't turn Ben Simmons into anything, but that Mm -hmm. was an all-star for a while. Yeah, yeah. you just like you said, you need when you're rebuilding, just give me as many cracks at it as possible. So yeah. like you said, trading for these these guys, trading for assets kind of makes sense. Um and and like like going off that, the Wizards are reported to be trade facilitators of sorts. Mike Scott of Hoops Hype reported that the Wizards are likely to be trade facilitators, which means that they take on a bunch of bad contracts, but you mm-hmm. know, in order to do that and sweeten the pot, they would also take back a bunch of late round picks. Um, no first round picks attached, I would assume, but a, a bunch of second round picks, maybe some salary fillers, some young players, a couple of those guys that, that come to mind, Kyle Lowry's on the top of that list, but he just got dealt to, to, uh, the Hornets. Yeah. I, I still got PJ Tucker, Evan Fournier, Lonzo Ball, 
Davis Bertans as funny enough as it is that the Thunder are trying to win now and his he's making as Wizards fans know ungodly money to do nothing. Uh yeah. and then D'Angelo Russell, who I want to talk about separately because I feel like that's definitely a piece in a third party. But based on those names, you know, explain how the Wizards can kind of take back assets like that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they've been trying to do with a couple of these trades already. I think you mentioned it up front with the Bagley trade is, you know, it's sort of a, a similar premise, right? Of like, we'll take on salary for people and Bagley was obviously interesting because he had potential, but they needed the cap room. I think what we're talking about here is guys that probably get bought out right away. And, you know, maybe they go, it's basically kind of the inverse, but also what Detroit did with Gallo. Like we're going to trade for him to buy him out essentially. Um, So that that's what you could do for some of these guys is just use your cap space to help them pull off some deals. And this is one reason why I thought the Jordan pool trade was really interesting at the time is like longer term, now that they've changed these rules with like the second tax apron and things like that, these teams are more restricted with what they can do later in some of these trades. So maybe having cap space down the road is actually more valuable. Like you can't go into the luxury tax as much. So having some teams that are available to take on bad money for you and be incentivized to take on that bad money, it seems like that could be like a really valuable service you could offer the rest of the league for the next couple of years. They were a little closer to, to the tax here in Washington than I think people realize. Like this is a, an expensive bad team and uh, that's not ideal. But so it kind of limits the amount of times you can pull this off. But yeah, someone like Tyus, he could go out as an expiring deal and be a valuable pickup for that team. It's not just clearing cap space, but they also get value back for him. So it's really a two for one. That's really what helps him the most. I, I, I think here's maybe the flip side to what we said before is. He's a productive player, but they could also move out bad salary to do it. And maybe the factor, those two factors combined is enough to get you that first round pick from someone like they've got some dude that they just have to get off. Like, again, going back to the Knicks. Okay. Maybe Ty says in the perfect fit next to Brunson, but he's a hell of a lot more productive than, than Fournier has been for them and getting off that Fournier money this year by adding a guy that doesn't, you know, hurt them long-term. That's interesting. Um, could you go get Ben Simmons? That's another name. You know, I don't know what it would take for us to cobble all that together. And I don't know that he necessarily makes sense for them. They don't seem like in super win now mode, but yeah, you, you got to just start looking at like, how can we be the junk collectors for the rest of the league and, and get paid to do it in the process would be great. It's weird because a couple of years ago, we were, as fans, we were all crying over Davis Bertans making <laughs> 16 a year. Yep. We cried for years and years about the unbelievable money Bradley Beal was making. Yep. And now at this point of our rebuild, we like, give me all of those bad contracts. I want all of these players. The Wizards have a lot of money in cap space, and all mm. of these guys are either expiring or have team options that we wouldn't pick up next season. So if you attached second picks, I think the Wizards for the next over the next four drafts, I think have 12 to 13 second round picks. It's an unbelievable amount Um, on top of the pick swaps that they have on top of all of that. Just building up this just arsenal of picks. Obviously, these second round picks don't usually pan out. And that's a lot of the messages I've gotten. Like, yeah, you have all these second round picks. What are you going to do with them? Not only number one, like you mentioned, just give me every chance that I can to hit someone like Draymond Mm -hmm. Green at the end of the draft or in, in the second round. You can also move those to facilitate trades to move up. You can facilitate, one, all right, I, I have the 18th pick. I have three second round picks. I also have the ninth pick. I want the second pick. I'm going to try to package that together and try to get some things going. And it also helps out in terms of trades. Like you see, when we're on the reverse side of this and we are trying to offload bad contracts and get back players to try to win, those second round picks kind of facilitate those moves as well to entice those bad teams. So all of these draft, there's no negatives to having all these picks. Um, and by taking on someone like P.J. Tucker, who the Clippers don't want, and giving them someone like Tyus if they need a, another backup or someone sure. like Landry Shamit to shoot the ball, that's fine by me. Another thing I want to talk about, D'Angelo Russell has been mentioned in rumors. The Lakers and and the Hawks kind of seem like they, they want to do this Deontay Murray trade, but there's just not it's not working salary wise mm-hmm. they need a third team to facilitate and take yeah. on d'angelo russell i'm not sure how much he's making i know it's a lot give me d'angelo russell we have we have a lot of cap space 
you give me, I mean, I would assume to take it on, we would get decent return. We're not just going to take this guy for free. Yeah. I don't know what you think we could get in terms of, of taking on like a big salary that's a facilitated deal, but I think, I think it could be decent. I think the complication here is how much money he makes and how much of that we could um, offset. So how how many of these guys do we have to send out to hit this kind of number back? And I haven't trade machined any of this or anything, so I don't want to speculate what would you well, know work deal wise or whatever. But he makes a lot of money. Yeah, eighteen uh, a year. Yeah. Jeez. So I actually thought it was a little more than that, even. So that's actually like slightly more palatable, but. Um, does Shamit and Jones get you there? Like that's maybe not too bad of a you know of an option for for someone like them. It said the Lakers were interested in Tyus Jones. I don't know if it'd be to be a part of of a deal like that or not. I think selfishly, if I had to watch D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Poole as the backup, I'd walk off my second floor balcony here. But uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do for the long term future of the team. And if they're like unwatchable this year, well, they're already unwatchable this year for for most normal people. So, so be it. Um, just just what you said there with the second round picks. I, I'm getting old and forgetful, and I don't remember the specifics of every deal. But didn't the Wizards trade a second round pick to move up from eight to seven? So even yeah, they, if it's yeah, yeah, they don't have their they don't have their own pick this year, right? So even second. if you if you're just giving up a second round pick to move up one spot to ensure you get your guy. That's worth it. Like, I think as fans, we look at it as like, all right, well, if we don't take our guy at eight, we'll take whoever was slotted for nine on the best available list. But these teams are really keyed in on like a couple guys. And if, if your dude is there and you need to ensure you go get him So someone else doesn't jump you to do it. I'm always cool with doing that. So if that's all these second round picks do for you longer term is just like ensure that you can kind of make some of these like minimal moves, even seemingly like going from eight to seven doesn't seem like it should be much. But if it facilitates that, then then I'll take all of them, please. Exactly. There's no I I don't see downside to to racking up all of these picks. I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I think it was last year. They legitimately did nothing. They they made that Rui trade for Kendrick mm-hmm. Nunn, one of the worst trades I've ever seen. They made that, I think, in like mid-January. And everyone was like, okay, like this is this is setting it up for, for the deadline. Cause at that point they had won a couple. I think they were like 27 and 31 or something. They were mm-hmm. not good, but they weren't out of it. Yeah. And Tommy Shepard came out and said, We're gonna go for this thing. And I said, there's no way you're not serious. This team is not good. They're not winning anything, but he said it. So I was like, okay, he did nothing. Yeah. It was the quietest, most dead deadline I've seen. And I, I think this season is going to make up for that. And then some, I personally think a lot of these guys are going to get moved. Um, and, and that's a factor of it, but you also have to consider after that so much playing time will now be open. And, and I don't think people are realizing that. For a guy like Johnny Davis who can't even sniff the floor, there's going to be at least two or three guards that are moved. He should be in the rotation. I, I was hopeful Ryan Rollins could be in the rotation. We know, yeah. we know what happened there. I was, I was very high on him. But that just means Jared Butler Jr. has been killing it with the go-go, has a shot yeah. at it. Yeah. All of these guys that I'm excited to watch will have that shot. Who's that, that player? It could be a guy that's on the two-way contract with the go-go, a guy like Johnny Davis – Who's the player that you're most excited to watch in, in, in an increased role post-deadline? I think you really got to see if you have something with Butler. If there's a world where both Jones and Wright are gone, someone probably has to be out there just to dribble the ball across half court. And Butler seems like the most likely candidate to be able to do that at a competent level. Uh, he was a tough, feisty guard at Baylor, had some hard stuff, so he fell a little bit in the draft. So I think this is a guy that, sort of got de-emphasized beyond like what kind of player he probably actually can be. Um, do they bring a Hamadou Diallo back up or one of these other guys that they seem to like or that are their kind of guys? Honestly, hopefully they just, I hope it's none of them. Like there's none that I'm like crazy blown away by, but I hope they're looking around the rest of the G league or it's some other guy they bring in as a part of one of these deals. That's another, you know, not quite to Bagley's level, but it's, it's that kind of guy, right? Somebody, somebody took in a first round pick that, Hasn't done anything so far. You know, if if you trade Tyus Jones to the Spurs, can you get Mamu Sandra Kalashvili back or something? Or Sandro Mamu Kalashvili back, sorry, uh, back. Like, you know, one of those kind of guys is just like, this is a dude with intriguing potential. Let's see if he can do something. He hasn't gotten an opportunity elsewhere. 
I just don't think we have like a ton of them. I've been a little underwhelmed by the use of the G League so far this year. I thought it would be a little better. Amarui is more like an energy guy to fill out a roster. Uh, that's he, He's not a long-term, could he blossom into like a, like a starter kind of guy, in my opinion. I don't see that with Jules Bernard personally. He's been great in the G League, so I appreciate them rewarding him with enough salary to keep him. But, you know, does he turn into a a seventh man in a rotation? Probably not. So I would keep looking if I were them. That's kind of a halfway shitty answer to your question though, Greg. <laughs> I love Jared Butler too. If I had to choose, I mean, I, I so enjoyed watching Patrick Baldwin Jr. for what the three or four games we sure. got him. I, I think that was a really underrated part of that pool trade that no one talked about because I think it was originally supposed to just be pool and, and Rollins. And then we were like, all right, we'll throw in the 57th pick. If you give us Patrick Bowman jr. So I'm very excited to see hopefully him in an increased role. Now, if you retain Gafford and now you have Bagley, it gets a little dicey uh, in terms of playing time for him. Cause they weren't playing him at that backup forward. Like I think they should, they're playing him at center. Um, so I don't know if he is even going to play, but I'm very intrigued by him overall as a prospect. Uh, and that moves me on to when we make these trades and you say, let's say we, we trade with the Kings and, and they're like, we don't want to give you picks. We want to hold on to them, but we'll give you a guy like Davion Mitchell. And we feel like he has the value of a first round pick. Do you see it that way? Are you really valuing these? I'm not going to say disgruntled assets, but they drafted them at fifth overall. They were pretty mm-hmm. high on him, and he is not developed into a fifth overall type player. Are you really looking at it and, and comparing those values? Do you value those guys that these teams drafted and didn't want, or would you rather just give me the pick? I think it really just depends, right? Like if if you're so early in a rebuild here, it's nice to have a bunch of picks, but a lot of teams kind of use those picks for like future moves to to package together to get a star or whatever. If you're just looking for for fines of guys that might be able to rehab, you know, the value to some extent, like. It, I don't know. Is is he more valuable than a top 20 protected first round pick? Probably like just because there's at least you saw something there at some point that could get you this point. But I think it's really just an individual by individual basis. Like some years we, we've had guys in for workouts and people like we would never draft that guy. He's going to go away before us. Why do we do that? These are the situations why you do that. When you do that pre-draft, you really start your file on that player so that if they become available down the road, you've talked to him, you've interviewed him, you see how his mind works, you see how hard he works and workouts. Like you have a little bit more insight in the potential kind of guy you're going to get. So, you know, if Dawkins had worked out Mitchell in, in OKC, he's got his own little, you know, manila folder that, that's that got his his like thoughts and notes on, on Mitchell. And maybe he goes, oh, you know what? I really like that guy. They've used him terribly. I, I think we could do something with that or I don't know, Malik Monk or whoever it is, like you did whatever the guy is that that you see out there, it's just really gonna I think it has to gel with your previous evaluation of them, what you've seen from them in, in terms of usage or flashes, and and what you think about them kind of off court. Is he is he not excelling because he doesn't work hard? Like that's not a kind of guy you're gonna want to invest in just because someone else took him fifth. So it's probably somebody that they've done their due diligence on in the past is the most likely one that would come back in a situation like that, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, these guys that that have been, been naming in trades, the, these kind of, we drafted them and, and they're good, but they don't necessarily fit our timeline and we kind of want to move them to try to get a, a better player. Mm-hmm. That that kind of seems to be a lot of these throw-ins with, with trades for Kyle sure. Kuzma. Obviously, you have to match his salary, and they have guys like Harrison Barnes to do it. You're going to get some guys that aren't great in terms of salary matches. But, I mean, for for me personally, like you said, yeah, a top 20 protected pick versus Davion Mitchell. I'm probably taking Davion Mitchell. But I, I, it's not, like I said, it's not Tommy Shepard anymore. I trust the guys in the front office. I'd prefer that they they get the pick and they are able to do what they want with that pick. Mm-hmm. not only is it you know preferable to get your guy instead of their guy and try to reshape him, but it's also preferable in terms of salary, in terms of timeline. I don't really want to be paying Davion Mitchell an extension sure. uh, in two or three years when I got guys like Bilal um, and Corey, if we keep Corey Kispert, Denny, all of these guys that we're going to be bringing in and drafting that are also up for, the, for that salary. I don't really know if I want to be paying Davion Mitchell if he develops. So like you said, I, I prefer to go with the – give me the picks and I'll do what I want with them. But obviously there's different 
avenues you can kind of go with that. Yeah, Mitchell's also like super old for a guy that's only been mm-hmm. in the league for a couple of years. So if you do keep him and he rehabs his value, you're probably then trying to flip him on a good deal to somebody else too. And uh, not that, you know, it, it just really depends like on what year pick it would be too. Like this year, the 20th pick is probably really like the 28th pick or, you know, like just when you've lopped off the top of a draft. So I think that's kind of interesting. I, honestly, like, this like further out the draft pick is that's not as exciting for people to hear about but the more value it probably you know retains so if you could get a 28 pick from from one of these teams that might have to rebuild by then like that's way more valuable than the that same pick this year so you just really got to weigh what's on the table from each of these respective teams and as a draft guy uh there's been reports that the wizards kind of don't prefer picks right now they want picks in later drafts not only because mm-hmm. they want to bank on these contending teams eventually falling off and that helping them. But I also think they don't view like many, this draft as that strong as someone who has a good knowledge about these prospects in this draft. Are you of that same mindset that you prefer to get picks later down the line? It's just really like you lopped off the top couple picks, right? Like the, everybody that does draft stuff kind of tears their players. If you just took the top tier off, that's basically what we're talking about. So like, uh, Amon Thompson went what what third or fourth last year or fourth I guess right so I, I think he would definitively go number one this year so there's no Chet there's no Scoot there's no Brandon Miller like that's that's really kind of where we're we're getting to is the top four or five maybe six picks from last year's draft would all be definitive number ones this year I think Bilal would go definitively number one uh, if he had stuck around uh, in France for another year so. I still think that people are going to find really good dudes. It's just a little more speculative. The depth probably isn't like crazy deep. There's a lot of just like really good, hey, could win now guys that are veteran college players. But, you know, like a guy like Terrence Shannon Jr. has got some baggage. That's a dude that would have been a first round pick. Is Zach Eadie's the most productive player in college basketball? Only certain teams are going to think they can make something like that work. So just the kind of timing of, of why some of these guys are coming out this year, I, I think has a lot to do with people didn't see it as a super strong draft. So they kind of timed their, their situation this year to make that happen. And uh, I, I would imagine that this is a good year for the wizard specifically to do well in as a draft organization, I, I think, because they seem to understand the international community very well. And I would bet you like, six of the top 10 picks will be either there'll be non-college guys i would say at a minimum so you got to see how you feel about the g league ignite overtime elite maybe potentially even i actually i don't think they have any real guys this year but uh they could go in that range so it, it's just we seem well like well positioned to do well this year so maybe that's okay with one pick but maybe they just don't want to gamble on it with multiple picks this year yeah um and, and as we kind of wrap this up, uh, again, I want to thank Matt for coming on. Uh, I got one last question for you. Um, but before I do that, where where can people find you and your pod? Uh, yeah, Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V, wherever you get podcasts. Um, Greg's been great enough to come on and, and do so on short notice. So I appreciate the flexibility of, uh, of, of Greg for doing that for me because I think that's probably like the hardest part of getting guests and stuff like that is is juggling schedules and all this stuff. So appreciate you for doing that. Um, yeah, we're just Jihadi and I are going to do something here soon and talk more long-term head coaching stuff. So by the time people hear this one, that'll be our most recent episode. So if you want to hear from a former player about, uh, you know, what he would want to see for the head coach of this group, then, then check that out. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I always talk about believing wizards on here. I tell Matt every time I may or may not be the the most uh, watched uh, listener or viewer, whatever you call it. Uh, I've been watching since day one. He also he didn't mention it because he's humble, but DMV hoops has been killing it as well. Oh, thanks, um, so if you like basketball in general, you like listening. He gets a bunch of guys from the DMV area in college on DMV hoops as well. So also check that out. That's thanks. always a weekly listen along with Cleveland Wizards for me. Um, but. This is my final question. I asked Matt this question on, I think, October 20th in our first pod. And it was over under four and a half players that get moved on the Wizards by the deadline. Matt went with the hard under. I went slightly over at five. The line has been slightly adjusted to three and a half now at this deadline. 
are you of the opinion that more than three and a half players will be traded on the February 8th deadline? Are you staying with your under? I'm going to take the under. Uh, honestly, I, I think um, I think we're going to be largely disappointed as a fan base if you think all these guys are, are going to go out and they'll totally reshape the roster because you need a certain amount of veteran dudes to eat up production and usage. And I, I don't think they want to throw all these young guys totally to the wolves. I think they'd like to do it situationally as they can. So I just don't see a world where uh, Gafford, Kuzma, Tyus, you know, like these key contributors are all gone, but like one of those three and then Delon or Landry, something like that seems probably more realistic to me personally. Yeah. And by the way, this is, this isn't um, including Gallo or Muscala. They were already gone. It's just separate from that. Right. It makes sense what you're saying. I, I don't, like you said, I don't want to get disappointed. Um, I'm not actively rooting for like, oh, yeah, I want sure. so many trades. I want the right trade. And if they yeah. can't ultimately find that and we only move like one or two of these veterans and we kind of got to eat their contracts, okay, oh. that's fine. You don't want to have a bunch of young guys running around without those veteran presences. I mean, it's the reason we pay Todd Gibson $2 million is this year to not be on our team at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I'm going to go with you. Where I, I just... I don't think Kuzma gets traded, but I think Tyus, I think Shamit, I think Delon Wright, I, I just, I think they go, mm-hmm. and then it's just down to what do they do with Daniel Gafford? Yep. Uh, I, I mean, I personally think he's going to get moved. I think Bagley kind of helps that, but does it really help that? Because now you just have Bagley in that same role with no help. So it's obviously going to be pretty intriguing to see what they do. The deadline, I believe, is in 13 days now, so under two weeks. Uh, I'm sure Matt will be doing a bunch of stuff around the deadline. I will be as well. So make sure you're following him. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at Matt Moderno. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Greg and I will be interacting on there too. So if you follow Greg, probably see uh, a decent amount of us going back and forth, uh, back and forth on stuff. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And then plug for both of us, Bulls Forever. Uh, it's your number one source for for all Wizards news because we actually say things about the team and, and aren't. Uh, afraid of just being strictly propaganda so uh, there you go yeah exactly check out bullets forever great writers over there we do great work uh and yeah again thank you for for joining me on the pod it's going to do for this episode let us know who you think will be traded what you think is going to be over under three and a half players but again thanks pat for for joining me make sure to check out leaving wizards and dv hoops and and that's going to do it thank you guys